Hi there, Andrew here. We're putting feelers out for the idea of sponsors for the show. We have grown to a sizable audience of legal professionals, and we'd love to find a way to get the resources to continue to grow the show and spend more time on it. This might take the form of more longer form, maximum minimum competence episodes, or longer daily episodes, or maybe short interviews. We've had a couple of inquiries regarding sponsorship, but want to get feedback from all of you, the listeners. If you have thoughts or have a sponsor in mind that you think would be a good fit, shoot me an email at andrew at We're still very much in the brainstorming stage, so all ideas are good ideas. So ends the housekeeping segment. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to the Minimum Competence episode for Wednesday, March 15th, 2023. I'm your host for today, Andrew Leahy, a tax and technology attorney from New Jersey. In today's episode, we have a quick primer on the FDIC and its deposit insurance fund. Florida wants digital rights while it strips regular ones. Anti-ESG as the real contagion and Harvey AI has entered the chat. Let's get this done before we're replaced by a language model. First, rather than a story per se, I thought we'd do a quick overview of the FDIC Deposit Insurance Fund, since it is much in the news these days. 12 U.S.C. 1821 establishes insurance funds for different types of financial institutions in the United States, including banks and savings associations. The purpose of these funds is to protect depositors and promote stability in the financial system. The Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, or FDIC, administers these insurance funds, which are financed by premiums paid by the insured institutions. The FDIC sets the premiums based on the risk profile of each institution and the amount of insured deposits. Section 1823A authorizes the FDIC to invest funds held in the Deposit Insurance Fund, or the FSLIC Resolution Fund, in obligations of the United States or obligations guaranteed by the United States. The FDIC is not allowed to sell or purchase these obligations for its own account in excess of $100,000 without approval from the Secretary of the Treasury, who may impose conditions on such transactions. The idea here is that these funds should be conservatively invested. Then, if an insured institution fails, the deposit insurance fund pays out depositors up to the insured amount, which is currently $250,000 per depositor per institution. This is known as the standard maximum deposit insurance amount, and it is how much, in the main, a depositor will be covered for. However, the FDIC also has the authority to take over and resolve failed institutions in a way that minimizes cost to this insurance fund. Thus, the deposit insurance fund can be leveraged broadly to protect banks and their depositors. There are limitations. 1821C imposes limitations on the use of the deposit insurance fund to prevent any shareholder or affiliate, except for insured depository institutions receiving assistance, from benefiting in any way from the resolution of an insured depository institution or in connection with the provision of assistance. So, in other words, and as you might expect, there are limitations on the fund just transparently being used to line the pockets of bank executives. In addition to the deposit insurance funds, there are also insurance funds for different types of institutions, such as the National Credit Union Share Insurance Fund for credit unions and the Securities Investor Protection Corporation for broker-dealers. They aren't much in the news these days, but they do exist. Overall, the insurance funds established by 12 U.S.C. 1821 play a critical role in promoting confidence in the U.S. financial system and protecting depositors against the risk of institutional failure. It is from this fund that the depositors of Silicon Valley Bank and the other failed banks have been made whole. So when you read stories saying that the money being used to bail out SVB has not come from taxpayers, that is broadly true, though it does come from fees taken from member banks, which means it comes from fees taken from you. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has proposed a wide-ranging tech agenda for Florida lawmakers to advance during the 60-day legislative session that ends in May. 
DeSantis cited surveillance overreach by online companies such as Google and proposed a digital bill of rights for consumers. His priorities include requiring search engines to disclose if they prioritize results based on politics. DeSantis's plan seizes on concerns over censorship and the limitations of conservative viewpoints, a claim that research refutes but could play well with GOP primary voters. Tech companies face scrutiny from state and federal lawmakers as they consider giving consumers more control over how businesses use their personal information. His digital priorities may pose similar First Amendment concerns as his proposals, such as requiring search engine disclosures, may have constitutional implications. The GOP-led legislature is likely to advance DeSantis's priorities, as several social media bills are up for consideration. PricewaterhouseCooper has partnered with AI startup Harvey to introduce a chatbot service for its 4,000 lawyers across 100 countries aimed at boosting productivity. The technology is expected to speed up work from regulatory compliance to legal consulting services. PwC is also looking to extend the use of the service for its tax practice. Harvey's AI solution is built upon OpenAI and ChatGPT technology, making it particularly suitable for those who have to create and analyze large amounts of text. Other professional service firms, such as Allen and Overy, have begun using AI to expedite tasks. The use of generative AI in various industries is testing the promise of boosting efficiency. The underlying AI, Harvey AI, is a chatbot service that supports legal work built on a version of OpenAI's GPT AI API, which is further trained with general legal data. Right now, Harvey AI assists with contract analysis, due diligence, litigation, and regulatory compliance, and can help generate insights, recommendations, and predictions based on data, potentially enabling lawyers to deliver faster and more cost-effective solutions for client issues. When engaged by a firm, Harvey AI is trained by the firm's own work products and templates, which will carry with it myriad privacy concerns that I'm sure will never be an issue. Thank you so much for listening to Minimum Competence, your daily news podcast for lawyers. If you're looking for more than Minimum Competence, links to further reading on all the topics touched on today are in the show notes. If you have any questions or story suggestions, find us on Mastodon on the esq.social instance. I'm at Andrew and my co-host Gina is at Gina. Reviews go a long way towards helping new listeners to find our show. If you have a moment and can leave a rating or review on your podcast player, we'd appreciate it. And if you know someone that might be interested in a story we cover, consider sending them the episode. Minimum Competence is part of the ESQ cast network of podcasts and streams on esqstream.com. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And until then, remember, if you can't describe what it is you do for a living, it'll be harder for AI to replace you.